HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. HRN is food radio supported by you. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Welcome to Life's Banquet, a show about all things edible, spreadable, and pourable. With me, your host, Kevin McAllister from the movie Home Alone. And me, Joe Pesci from the movie Home Alone. <laughs> Two. <laughs> <laughs> um, I feel like Kevin McAllister right now because we are, in fact, Home Alone on this here podcast, Nicole. Yes, Armin, our faithful recorder guy, is not with us in is it because we got the time wrong or is it because he got the time wrong? Or no one can say for sure. We have no <laughs> idea. And he not only records the podcast, but he plays the intro to our podcast on the recorder live each show. So if yes. you'll notice today's going to be a little different. There's no <laughs> recorder music. <laughs> I thought he used a pipe organ, but it's just they sound similar to each other. So He's just that good. Yeah. <laughs> Question, now that we're on the subject of recorders, which I was hoping we would get to at some point, um, mm-hmm. does anyone, like, ever take the recorder, like, further past the fourth grade? I don't know. I feel like people have played the recorder in um, in the movies before. Really? Also, I just recently saw some sort of meme where the, my heart will go on was being played on the recorder. <laughs> oh, that sounds like a recorder, actually. Is that a recorder? I think it's a, I don't know, I think it's like a flute. You think it's a pan flute, maybe? Perhaps. I don't know what a pan flute is. Is it different no from does. a regular flute? <laughs> I feel like the pan flute is like the one with the little, like it has multiple little like pieces. And the regular flute is just like one long stick. Right. right? Yes. We are both Juilliard trained folks here at Life's <laughs> Bank. But anyway, get used to the fact that Armin is no longer with us. And since we can do the show ourselves, I feel like we have no use for him anymore. In fact, we should fire him from the show. Well, we'll see how this recording turns out, and then we'll decide whether or not we fire him. <laughs> it's going to be full of holes like a recorder. <laughs> yeah, because how's he going to edit out all my coughs? <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. This is going to be chock full of coughs and sneezes. And sniffles. Yep, burps, all kinds of sounds. <laughs> so, um, how are you? We saw each other, which was exciting. We saw each other IRL in the city, not the City of Angels, the Big Apple. <laughs> um... The city that never sleeps, New York City, um, and we went to the movies. We did. What did we and see? We saw the menu, and I made the really hilarious joke that it was just going to be a QR code. <laughs> <laughs> it was so, folks, it was so fucking good, and it really stuck on to us. Like yeah, we were, oil. we were terrified when we left the theater. Not because it's, like, particularly scary, but, like, there's just, like, a building sense of dread, and we could not escape from that. Yeah, it really stays with you. It was very, very tense. John Leguizamo is a delight, but really the highlight of the film for me, everyone, was Mr. Ray Fines. Pronounced yeah. Ray, Rafe, not Rafe. Ralph. I, I had a fight with 
a fist fight with someone the other day about this <laughs> at work. They said it's Ralph Fines, and I said, "No, Go it's fuck not. yourself. It's not Ralph. Does this man look like a Ralph? He's the English patient, for God's sakes. Is he the English patient, or is there someone else who's the English patient in that movie? I don't know. I don't remember it. I don't remember it all, but I did love the Seinfeld episode where they were talking about how like Elaine hated the English patient, but she couldn't admit it. This is so well, boring. He's also Schindler's List, you know? And that's another Seinfeld episode when Jerry gets caught making out during Schindler's List. Let's just name Seinfeld episodes the whole well, I don't know that show. many of them. <laughs> I'll do it. I just made okay. a funny joke about Seinfeld too, about Newman from Seinfeld being Paul Newman's son. Yes. Famously. <laughs> okay, moving on. Okay. Um, yeah, movie's great. Surprise cameo by American Cheese. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. There was American Cheese. And we also went out, let's not forget the best part of your visit. We went out and had the most fun night of our entire lives. Yes, we partied. As though we were wealthy, um, <laughs> we went and had snacks at, where were we at? Henry Public, Henry and Public. you had your favorite drink, the bee's knees. <laughs> oh, my God. That was... So our bartender was very, very drunk on three Manhattans, according to him. He was fucking wasted. <laughs> seven o'clock or something. Um, somehow we get to chatting. He tells us his boring love life story. Oh, I hope he's not listening. It was not he, that boring. He's definitely not listening. That we can rely on. He can't listen to anything. He's too much of a drunk <laughs> <laughs> um, but he, I eventually it got to the point where I was like, if you are older than me, I'll buy you a drink. And it turned out that he was older than me by a year. And then I was like, okay, well, why don't you make all four of us a drink, you know, and we'll like split it and be like, a, oh, you're older than me shot or whatever. Um, and he was like, he did not understand what I was saying. I didn't understand what he was doing. He was making a bee's knees. I thought he was making it for himself. He was nuts. <laughs> So in the end, we got three bee's knees that we did not want. Um, and he made himself another Manhattan, I guess. And then he and died of an then, alcohol yeah. overdose. The rest is history. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, but we didn't have to pay for those bee's knees, so it was fine. Dude, um, nobody... Then we did karaoke. Oh, sorry, yes. We, then we did karaoke, and you did karaoke, and so did Becky. And I did not, which is not fair. I love a good karaoke session. Well, they were totally skipping us because of the birthday party of bros that was there. Some man had his parents call the bar, mm -hmm. Montero's, and say happy birthday and, like, make them push him ahead in line to sing karaoke, which is the lamest thing that's ever happened in my in life. Did that really happen? Yes. They're, well, I mean, I think that's why. They're like, your parents called. You didn't hear them. They're like, Joe, your parents just called to say happy birthday, and they want you to sing karaoke. I don't remember that part. I do remember and then telling comes the, Joe on the microphone telling Joe that it's someone's birthday every day. <laughs> yeah, and that's how we knew it was his birthday to begin with because his fucking parents called the bar. They were like, happy 19th birthday, Joe. Yeah, he probably was 19. Um, it was really fun to see you. I miss you so much. That was a great night. We had so much fun. We drank many, many alcohols. Um, <laughs> and then we got into an altercation with a tree farmer. <laughs> We were forced we were forced at gunpoint to rip pieces of a Christmas tree off. So what we realized in the sober light of morning was that from this man's perspective, two drunk white ladies are going into his tree farm area and or you know, Christmas tree area and trying to steal trees. But we were just smelling them. We were just smelling them. And then <laughs> So he starts screaming at us, take a branch off, take a branch off. But I, like a normal New Yorker, I still got it. If random people scream in the street, I just ignore them. You know, I wasn't listening to him. Um, and so then Zara proceeds to try to rip off the largest Christmas tree branch on the planet Earth. And she's like, I can't get it off. And so I was just like bent down and got two teeny ones from the bottom of the tree. We ran off into the night. And then we realized that when Zara ran to that same man the next day that he was there in the U-Haul sleeping there to watch his Christmas trees to prevent people from stealing them. He lives there, but this seems like a really like unsustainable 
kind of way of life. This means for 30, basically 30 days, like the day after Thanksgiving until Christmas, these people set up these Christmas tree lots or whatever on the sidewalks. We all know them and love them. They smell wonderful, but they're very annoying to walk through and they're overpriced. However, this means that they all must be like watching their trees like all night. You have to like Mm -hmm. sleep in your car for like 30 nights in a row. How could this be worth it? I don't know. I guess they make a lot of money because the the cost for them to create the tree probably isn't that much. They just put a seed in the ground and leave. How much would you need to make to make that worth it? Like $50,000. Yes, I think I would also do it for $50,000. But it's like, you, you have to stay awake basically for a full month. Some people have like tents out there. Oh, and if you bring a friend with you, you can tag team the staying awake. Yeah, so like one person stays in a hotel or I don't know. I really don't know. We do need to research this further to find out what the deal is, but... um. It's very interesting. There is a hot Christmas tree dealer on Court Street across from Fishtails. If you're listening, you're hot. He looks like like a classic <laughs> 90s dad hunk. He's probably like 50. It's a little older than my taste, but he's like super hot. Also, question, as you get older, do you are you attracted to older people? Or like when you're 60, like when you're 60, do you think other six-year-olds are hot? Or do you still think like 25-year-olds are hot? Well, I think that, well, obviously <laughs> lots of people, usually men, think that 25-year-olds just are hot when they're in their 90s. Yeah. But so do women. But I think that typically, I mean, in my experience now that I'm in my 40s, I'm kind of turned off when people are like 10 years younger than me. I'm like, I don't want to date you. Right. But like, so next year when you turn 85, do you think mm-hmm. you're going to be attracted to other 85-year-old men? Yeah, I'm going to watch grumpy old men and be like, damn, Walter you're gonna Marshall was a fox. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, that was a real deep tangent. Anyway, call me Christmas tree guy that kind of looks like Kevin Costner. Oh, nice. Um, let's talk about our topic. Let's. I thought you would never ask. Oh, wait. No, we can't. We have to talk about Ben and Jen. See, this is what happens when Armin isn't here. We're all out of sorts. I can feel Uh, his absence. Yes, his absence is powerful. Um, So (laughs) (laughs) I looked up on the internet, Ben or Fur, and what I learned is that Ben and Jen went Christmas tree shopping with their kids. Cute. And probably there was a man who lives in the Christmas tree area there um and then that jennifer garner and jennifer affleck are going to be exchanging christmas presents this year can you believe this i hope that jennifer garner gives jennifer affleck like a flaming bag of dog poop and leaves it on her stoop i hope that she gives jennifer affleck her old butt plug that she used to use with ben Oh my God, that reminds me quickly. I was chatting to someone the other day and they said they were like um, cater- like working as a caterer at like this fancy rich people's party and they did like a white elephant and someone got like a glass dildo. And what? That's so expensive. I mean, yeah, but it, to me, I'd never heard of a glass dildo. That seems so dangerous. Yeah, they they exist. Have you ever seen one? I think I've seen them at like the dildo store. What if it breaks? I just don't, it's like, really thick glass oh it's like solid glass yeah 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 okay anyway moving on um okay now that we've gotten that out of the way (laughs) um we were deciding our topic well zara wanted to do world war one i'm not joking (laughs) (laughs) i thought we're like oh god we didn't pick a topic and i was like finally my moment has arrived america's (laughs) moment world war one yes ww1 um that is america's favorite war the it number is. one war. Yeah. It's number one. Um, <laughs> but I sort of jokingly was like, well, why don't we do soft foods instead? And Zara was like, okay. <laughs> I'm just like so, I'm honestly like in some ways, in many ways, like the most agreeable person ever. I'll make sure. <laughs> Sounds great. So I, we did, we did do soft foods, which is hilarious. And also, but like everyone's been talking about soft foods lately. So I think it's like. It's in the air, you know? Is it? Who <laughs> has been? Oh, Nobody. <laughs> the older community? The toothless community? The toothless, yeah, the babies. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I decided to do my little section on chewing gum. Maybe you've heard of it. Um, I don't like it. I 
well, that doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I'm just saying, that's my two cents, folks, since you asked. Well, maybe we can turn the beat around and make you like gum after this lovely story. Um, okay, gum. I got this from history.com, the website. Amazing. So gum has been around for a super duper long time. People were chewing it 9,000 years ago. Wow. For fun and for toothaches. Um, it was made out of birch bark tar back then. Doesn't sound that delicious to me, but I don't know what it would taste like. Um, <laughs> the ancient Mayans chewed something called chicle from the sapodilla tree. Um, they would chew that gum to quench their thirst and fight their hunger, which I was like, oh yeah, I should start chewing gum instead of eating and drinking. Yeah. Save like time re- and money. Replace all eating and drinking with gum chewing. Yeah, think about how much money I would save. Um, the Aztecs also had chicle, um, and they had these rules about when and who could chew gum. So only children and single women were allowed to chew gum in public. Wow. <laughs> so, yeah, so we, you and I would be able to chew gum in public if we were in the Aztec times. Let's go um, back. Yeah. Married women and widows could chew gum privately to freshen their breath. But I like that even if your husband dies, you cannot go out in public and chew gum. Like, you already got married, and so permanently, forever, you have to chew your gum privately. Well, that seems like a reason to not get married to me, but what do I know? Absolutely. Um, Men, so widows could chew it privately. Men had to chew it in secret. I don't really know (laughs) what is, like, I don't understand that rule, like, Widows could maybe, like, get together and chew it privately if they if no one could see them, I guess. But men had to do it alone. Like, hiding? So, You're, like, hiding yeah, in, the, in closet. the closet or, like, under mm-hmm. the bed just chewing gum? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. North American indigenous people chewed spruce tree resin. Um, mm. And that is something that the super chill European colonizers stole from them along with their land and their livelihoods, and their children, and their wives. Um, In 1840, John Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis's dad, developed the first commercial (laughs) spruce tree gum. I don't know, that's so funny. I don't know, because I'm stupid. Um, They boiled the resin and cut it into strips, coated it with cornstarch so it wouldn't stick together. Um, Mm, Smart. And then he... It was so successful that in the 1850s, he had the world's first chewing gum factory in Portland, Maine. Ah. Ah. Um, But it turns out that spruce resin actually sucks for gum because it tasted gross and it was really brittle when it was chewed. So I don't know why they had an entire factory making this stuff that tasted bad, but it was a different type. (laughs) Um, People were like, okay, this resin is gross. We're going to switch to paraffin wax, which... (laughs) Oh, my God. Not what we should be chewing. But also, you remember those, like, wax lips? I was just going to say that. And I think that, like, going forward, instead of having all this surgery, people should just start wearing wax wax lips again. Because you can just take them right off. I used to eat them. Yeah, you chew them up. It's weird, though. Um, You know what else I would chew that was wax? Um, Do you remember those, like, they were shaped like little bottles of soda, but they were filled with, like, sugar juice? Yeah, those were gross. Weirdest candy ever to be developed, honestly, if you think about it. It was just filled with sugary liquid and wax, and I would chew that, too. That is very strange. Not as strange or disgusting as circus peanuts, my enemy candy. Um, That is also (laughs) disgusting. What the fuck is a circus peanut? Is it peanut flavored? We should know. It's like, I don't know what flavor it is. I think it's orange creamsicle. Um, Okay, so after the wax... The next gum development was when Thomas Adams got some chicle from the exiled Mexican president, Antonio Lopez de Santa Anna, in the 1850s. So around the same time that What's-His-Name-O was getting the first ever gum factory, this guy was like, hey, what's up, Mexican president, exiled Mexican president. Um, They said that it's unclear how these two met, but Santa Anna was in the United States because he's exiled. Um, he wanted to develop chicle into a substitute for rubber 
and thought that if he did that and got super rich, he could return to power at Mexico. Um, So Adams is like, okay, dude, sure. So he starts messing around with the chicle, but he can't make it into rubber or a rubber substitute. Hmm. So Santa Ana is like, fuck you, man. I'm out of here. And they part ways. But then Adams is like, okay, well, we have this chicle. We're just going to make it into chewing gum. So they kind of, that way of making gum, or that type of gum, everyone was just chewing that after that happened. Everyone's like, this is way better than the resin and the wax. We're just going to sure. use this stuff. Um, and that lasted until the 1900s. So like a good 50 years. <laughs> wow. Um, then William Wrigley Jr., maybe you recognize his name, was wandering around selling soap from door to door. Um, well, store to store, I guess. And he <laughs> offered a free can of baking powder with every soap purchase to like incentivize people to buy his soap. But yeah. the baking powder was actually more popular than the soap. So he just switched to selling baking powder and offered free gum with every purchase. And then basically the gum was really taking off. So then he started to become a gum guy. Um, I'm the gum guy. He invented juicy fruit and spearmint, like the flavors, obviously. Mm. Um, But at the time, there was a lot of gum competition. So he decided to go heavy on the marketing. So he spent, he sent, he went in the phone book and sent everyone in the phone book free sticks of gum. (laughs) Wow, dude. That's wild. I know. He also sent sticks of free sticks of gum to children on their second birthday, which I feel like that's a that's little young, young for gum. And also, how do you find out when their birthday is? This guy was like, just eat, sleep, breathing gum. Yeah, but, well, it worked out because he became one of the wealthiest dudes in America mm. by forcing children to chew gum and choke on it. Um, <laughs> he killed, like, over a million children yes. with gum, but nobody talks about that. He's still <clears> on the <throat> lam. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Frank, okay, so then that's that guy. Then another guy named Frank Fleer decided he wanted to get in on the gum action, so he worked on making gum that you could blow into bubbles. Um, the first one that he made in 1906 was called Blibber Blubber. <laughs> <laughs> that's also the title of my upcoming memoir. <laughs> um, but it was too sticky, I guess, so in 1928 they developed Double bubble, which I think is still around now. I, don't know. I think so too. It sounds better um, than blibble blubber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, from there, not there hasn't been a lot of gum innovation. There, mostly everything is synthetic now. Of course, um, gum manufacturers don't have to list the ingredients on their gum, so we don't actually know what's in it. So, could be anything. Um, and yeah. To finish off, I just want to list off some of the great gums of our childhood. Um, Please. Starting off, starting off with fruit stripes gum. Love you it. Can eat the wrapper. Yes. Although I think the wrapper did kind of make it a little bit softer. Like it made it like dissolve a little bit. And you were supposed to be able to eat the Trident wrapper too, which I thought also made it like squishier. Really? Yeah. It made it like kind of like dissolve a little bit. Um. Well... Yeah, I don't know. Fruit Strikes gum was gross, right? It lost its flavor after 30 seconds anyway. So Totally. But those first 30 seconds, that <laughs> was heaven. You're in flavor country. Hey. Um, <laughs> also, remember bubble tape? Of course. Yes, Six I would eat too gum. much of it. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and who can forget Big League Chew, the bubble gum that was supposed to be like chewing tobacco. <laughs> that was really... I mean, when I was younger, my thing was to put as much gum in my mouth as possible before I <laughs> Maybe would, that's like, why you're anti-gum now. Probably. But I would also like to remind you of a, a little gum that was, I think it was called, like, mm, Bubble-Aid. And it came in, like, a Band-Aid box. And they were wrapped oh, yeah. up like Band-Aids. But you would eat them. Again, who... Somebody <laughs> got, like, rich off of this, right? There's some fucking man <laughs> that has, like, an in-ground swimming pool now because he was like, you know what? We should make, like, the a Band-Aid you can eat. <laughs> people are clamoring yeah. for this. We have He's to get laughing all the way to the bank. Yeah, he is laughing all the way to the bank. It's crazy. 
until like he realizes one day he doesn't have any real band-aids and he cuts his finger off and tries to patch it up with gum. Mm, That'll show him. I don't think people should use band-aids. If your whole finger has been cut off, please go to the doctor. Um, (laughs) And the final gum that I wrote down for us to talk about is blow pops. Remember those? Of course, I still like blow pops. They're kind of, I don't, I'm not, I'm more of a Tootsie Pop kind of a person. Um, I I like a Tootsie Pop, but a red blow pop is good. It's not really rewarding to me to finish my sucker and have, chewing gum in my mouth <clears throat> but i agree and the gum is really really bad and really sweet yeah. and mm-hmm. has the texture of like a dried up human tongue yes that's exactly what it is but it, you wet it down with your tongue so it becomes wet two tongues become one mm-hmm. that's all my gum info I think that's very, very interesting. Thank you for that reporting. First thing I want to say, I would have never thought of gum as a soft food. So that was a real curveball and I loved it. (laughs) Secondly, the reason that I hate gum is multifaceted. Firstly, I think it stems from the fact that like I can't gracefully chew gum. I know that must come Mm. as a huge surprise. But um, when I chew gum, I'm like... Like, really, like, open mouth, like, gnawing on it. And when I was in high school, and I also have a habit, for anyone who knows me, of, like, like finding this one specific piece of hair on my head that is, like, really soft, and I twirl it. So picture me in high school, like, gnawing on gum, twirling my hair, and all the older girls would make fun of me, and they'd be like, yeah, is that right? <laughs> and, like, walk past me, like, doing a caricature of me, like, twirling my hair and chewing gum. So I think that's when I stopped. But mostly it frustrates me that I it won't die. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like, I've been chewing you for all this time, and you're still exactly the same as when we began this process. Well, this is its flavor, though. It turns into yucky. Probably tastes like birch tar, like it originally was. Probably. I wonder how long you'd have to chew gum... For it to actually like, would it ever just dissolve? Would it ever just be like, fine, I quit. You win. You win. There's, I don't know. There, no one has ever done that. There's no way to find out for sure. Hmm. Interesting. Oh, you know what else I think is funny about gum? And I mean, funny, like hilarious. Um, if you are chewing gum and you have like put peanut butter in your mouth too, the gum what? will also dissolve. What the hell are you talking about? I swear to God. Why peanut butter ever- and gum don't mix. Maybe it's the why, oil. Why would you put the peanut butter in your mouth if you have chewing gum in there? I don't know, but I've done it, <laughs> and it makes it, like, turn to, like, liquid. That's disgusting. <laughs> so you I have, just, like, a fresh minty gum in your mouth, and you toss some peanut butter in there, and then everything becomes a liquidy mess? Yeah, you're like, you know what I'm actually really hungry for is a scoop of peanut butter, but I can't be bothered to take this gum out of my mouth. And mm-hmm. then it melts. Trust me. And also, if you've ever done this, please call into the show. Yes, please do. So I don't feel so alone. <laughs> um, okay, let's take a quick commercial break. This show is brought to you by your favorite. You love it. You know it. It's gum. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008, and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. Okay, folks, and guess what? Listen, listen to me now. Hear me now or hear me later. We are talking about another soft food. Now, I had a lot of things on my mind. I said, self, should I do mashed potatoes? Should I do hummus? Should I do ice cream there's so many choices in fact i think we should make this a six-part series there's yes. so many squishy soft foods to choose i think from. we should just change the whole podcast to only talk about soft foods 
Okay, life's a soft food banquet. You've got it, toots. <laughs> You're on. As we're, like, slipping into old age, we're going to need to concentrate more yeah. and more on soft, soft foods. Yeah, I'm the ideas man. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and there's so many. However, um, I decided first on oatmeal, which I realized quickly was very boring, and then... <laughs> pivoted very fast. I don't know why my mind took me here, possibly from my Jewish side of my family's upbringing, possibly because I just knew it would be associated with something nefarious. But nevertheless, I'm doing rice pudding. Nicole, what are your feelings about rice pudding? I'm into it. Okay. I have to be honest. I'm also into it. I like rice pudding. If we're to think of it logically, it's delicious. It's like Sweetened rice pudding. It's been around for thousands and thousands of years. Literally the first people ever to like exist on earth. They're like, let's make this rice pudding. This sounds good. Um, but it also is kind of disgusting for a certain reason in my brain. Like, because I think where where I go with rice pudding is that it's like so unpopular in culture nowadays. If I go somewhere that has it, I'm like, oh, when was this made? You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I do, do they even have rice pudding anywhere? <laughs> well, uh, yes, I'm about to tell you. They do <laughs> yeah. at like Greek diners in Long Island. <clears throat> um, it, and it also feels like one of those things where I'm like, I don't know when a good time to eat this would be, right? Yeah. Also, you know that there's that whole, I don't know if they made it through COVID or not, but that oh. whole... Pudding store? Yes. We're about to talk about that. Don't spoil it for everyone. Okay. So, yes, there's a whole store. Um, And we're going to get all into that. But, like, when do you eat rice pudding? Like, do you eat it, like, for for breakfast? But, like, dessert? Like, after a meal that I'm going to have, like, what if I had rice already? I don't know. It just feels like eating rice for dessert. In my brain, I just can't find a time. But I'll tell you that many New Yorkers fit it into their busy schedules on a daily basis. Okay. folks we are going to talk about not only rice pudding we're not going to go into the history of rice pudding we're going to go into the mystery of rice pudding wow okay i didn't make that up alan salkin did in a new york times article published in the year 2005 uh entitled beyond the pudding comma a mystery (laughs) (laughs) i'm on the edge of my seat. Okay, this is way crazier than you would have probably I'm thought rice pudding would be. eating rice pudding right now. And just right out of, like, a bucket with your bare hands. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also gotten a bit of information today from an article in none other than The Atlantic entitled The Wages of Rice Pudding by Corby Cummer, spelled with a K. Okay. Um, but we'll begin with a little piece. Now, what I'm going to do here, folks, is essentially read these articles word for word to you. <laughs> Because they love it when we do that. You guys love it when we do that. I'm really, like, quite famous for it. And the point is, is you're never going to read this article yourself, right? So why not let me tell you what it says? Yeah. Save yourself some time and energy. Exactly. Consider this the Cliff's Notes if anyone's writing a paper on rice pudding and crime. And also, mm-hmm. this is very funny. Okay. From the New York Times article, <clears throat> quote, Was the rice pudding a front? Perhaps. Was the dessert a passion? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Journalism. Okay. Rice to Riches is a rice pudding only restaurant that was opened on Prince Street in Soho on April 1st, 2003. Now, for anyone who's seen this place, it like looks really crazy. The window is shaped like a giant grain of rice. Is it? Yes. And And it has like little quotes in the window. There's all kinds of quotes. And there's also, like, all kinds of um, really different names of their rice puddings, which we are also going to get to in just a minute. Don't you worry. So they serve, like, 21 flavors of rice pudding. Now, What the hell? It's too many. So part of the reason why I also think I have an aversion to rice pudding is because eating rice pudding in this way, where it's in big vats, like ice cream, and (laughs) scooped into cups— is disgust to me it's disgusting i've never seen that though that's not like the normal way that you would get it normally you would get it in a cup like regular pudding or something but this in this case it's like well i'll tell you exactly why this happened in just a moment so february 2005 uh like a month before this article came out so now this journalist seems to have been writing an article about the man the owner of rice churches to begin with and then just followed up after this like 
a shocking revelation comes out. So February 2005, Peter Mosio Jr. was arrested and charged with running a $22 million a year gambling ring in New York, in Suffolk County, which is the county I'm from, folks. This happened in my own backyard. Wow. In Long Island, okay. Um, the authorities were also investigating whether his food shop, Rice to Riches, was a money laundering front. Was this, it? Well, it's still open. So whether or not it was is unclear. And I did not care to find out the verdict in this case because there's so much else to talk about. still open. That's insane it's to me. It's still open. They made it through COVID. People could not be deterred. They're like, I don't care if I get COVID and die before there's a vaccine. I need my fucking chunky monkey rice pudding and nothing's going to keep me from it. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Mr. Mosio, 45, displayed an artist uh, displayed an artist's delicacy and care with his rice pudding store that was not apparent in what prosecutors say were his rough dealings in an illegal underworld. <laughs> so basically what happens is that this guy, the owner of Rice Riches, and 19 other people get indicted on like criminal gambling charges in one of the largest gambling operations in Suffolk County history, according to the DA in Suffolk County. Very what kind of gambling what they doing? I think probably betting because it goes on to say like later about like there's tons of money that was found but like during the Super Bowl. Oh, but okay. I'm assuming it could maybe be anything, perhaps betting, perhaps card games, like illegal card games. Um, Are there illegal card games? Yeah, of course. Have you not seen The Sopranos? Or Molly's Game? I have not seen Molly's Game. Sorry, Jessica Chastain. It was pretty good, actually. I didn't expect to like it, although isn't I think it's an Aaron Sorkin movie, which makes me embarrassed. Yeah, it is. Um, Sorry. Everyone. <laughs> I'm a closeted Aaron Sorkin fucking completist. Just kidding. I've never seen The West Wing. Um, okay. So according, this is from The Atlantic. According to The New York Times, authorities investigated whether the cafe was used to launder some of its profits. Um, so in a pre-Super Bowl raid, apparently they found $30,000 in cash at Rice to Riches. Wow. And then $413,000 cash in the ceiling of his father's house in Brooklyn. And gambling records at his condo in Trump Tower, where the concierge of Trump Tower allegedly worked as a runner for the gambling ring. Whoa, this is like like a TV show. I know, and it all centers around fucking sloppy tubs of fucking banana-flavored rice pudding. It's crazy. Well, at least the money wasn't in the rice pudding, because they would just be like, you know what, We're not. it's not worth it to get it out. We're just going to let him go. okay so his dad's lawyer tells the post that he had been a simple delivery man living on his pension um however it's believed that he owns 119 condos in florida and pleaded guilty and received probation in a 96 1996 gambling case so he's a dirty absentee landlord eh exactly so race to riches pulled in like $15,000 to $18,000 a week in its rice pudding sales. Pretty crazy. Um, so back to this New York Times article. New York Times article. The journalist goes uh, goes on to say when pressing Mosio about his business dealings and how he started the business, he was like very like kind of tight-lipped about it. He wouldn't say like, he wouldn't let his picture be taken. So this is what he says about why he opened it. Quote, he said he had been interested in opening a rice-themed restaurant for some time. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, sure. (laughs) So I guess it was either that or there actually used to be a place in in the West Village called the Risotteria for a while that I remember going to when I was in college with my parents. And we were like, oh, my God, it's so good. I don't remember if it was, but it's a cute memory. Um, But he had hit a dead end until 2000 when he visited Italy, where he saw gorgeous urban gelaterias and the idea clicked, selling pudding in a highly designed environment. Why? Why pudding? That's what I'm saying. So there's something about that, like the slopping of vats of rice pudding. (laughs) Like it makes me ill. It's like just something, it's like sitting there, like, ugh, I don't know. And people just eating it in a big cup, like... Let me get like a 16 ounce like chocolate rice pudding. Like it makes me nauseous. (laughs) I mean, no judge. I don't want to kink shame anyone, but it's pretty gross. Um, And it's not just rice pudding. That would really be any pudding, to be frank. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Rice or otherwise. 
So anyway, he had wanted to open a restaurant. He tried to open something in a place in Long Island called Ballyhoo's in Smithtown, but like whatever, it didn't work out. Journalist goes on to say, quote, what is the silent partner's name? He says, it was a guy I grew up with, uh, not giving the name. He says he sold out because Ballyhoo's became more of a nightclub than a restaurant, not a business he wanted to be in. And after that, he says, I went into business with a partner developing hotels in Florida. The journalist said, what's the partner's name? Then there's silence. Who are in the investors in Rice to Riches? Rice to Riches. Again, silence. Um, so he won't say really anything. So this is, seems kind of shady. He also uh, seems kind of like a jerk. He seems like kind of a, a ricey dickhead. So <laughs> then, uh, and just allegedly. Um, yes, yes, yes. Allegedly. So anyway, then the New York Times article says, quote, he was a writer too, naming the rice pudding flavors and coming up with shop slogans like, quote, I got your Atkins right here. Mr. Mosio had plans for the pudding-related creativity. He was working on an idea for a rice pudding truck and spoke <laughs> of conducting charity events in which celebrities would serve as guest rice pudding scoopers. Yes, that's a million-dollar idea. Amazing. On the store's website, Mr. Mosio had written a whimsical fictional history of his rice pudding. One section tells the story of an Old West shootout between a mischievous young upstart named Rice to Riches and its more traditional desserts. Quote, according to the website, everyone was there. Apple pie, ice cream, cookie, and chocolate cake. It got mm. messy and, and no, no one ever saw so many chocolate chips on the ground. Crumbs were everywhere. Ice cream melts real fast when it's sweating. Seems Rice to Riches wears the uniform of an outlaw, but the badge of creative courage. <laughs> okay, wow, that is, I, <laughs> I don't even know what to say about this. Only in America, folks. <sighs> oh my God, okay. So then in an article in bizjournal.com with no author, the story is like Gangs of New York, but with rice pudding. <clears throat> That's the byline. Mm. Um, in New York City, there seems to be a battle steaming up that customers <laughs> have been waiting for, the rice pudding wars. <laughs> yes, that Between is correct. I remember those wars. <laughs> rice to Riches and the Rice Cream Shop, which I guess is another dumb place selling only rice pudding that opened in the West Village. Um, How can there be more than one? I truly don't know. Rice pudding. And so the manager of uh, Rice to Riches says, but rice pudding has one critical advantage over the ever popular ice cream. Rice pudding isn't frozen. We refriger we're refrigerated and cold. You can enjoy it all year round, not just in the summertime. <laughs> that is true, because cold versus frozen is a huge <laughs> distinction when it's cold outside. Can you imagine a balmy hot summer day in July, and you're just like, uh, I really need to cool off with a cup of rice pudding <laughs> or a cone? Do they serve it in a cone? It just like falls over the side. I don't think that would work out. Yeah, it would be very gloopy. <laughs> they just serve it in a bag. Yes. Um, okay. So this article says, situating the store in Soho is a perfect location since it attracts a hordes of tourists. Rice pudding is a favorite dessert of residents of Latin America, the Middle East, Europe, as well as throughout America. I'm not sure if that's true. I think uh, it's, it could be around the world, but definitely not in America. I'll take his word for it. Okay. Now the, the owner of the other rice pudding shop says that the normal rush hour for customers occurs at lunchtime, but then they get a second wave that arrives after dinner. Frequently at lunch, customers order larger sizes and consume <laughs> it as a meal. Oh, okay. I guess that's fine. <laughs> it just it's sounds like, like so disgusting. Sounds like, like cereal, you know? It's just like, I don't know. I can't. I can't really handle it, to be honest. The world's a crazy place, dude. I know, it really is. Okay, rice pudding is a dessert, and many New Yorkers work out and try to stay thin. So why indulge in a sweet confection? According to the Rice Riches manager, uh, you have to know your own limits, but every now and then, you do need a reward. Chofi Echoes, who's the one from the other place, those thoughts saying that many customers are dressed in their workout clothes and stop by for a treat. After a half hour on the treadmill, rice pudding is just a reward. <laughs> no, what is happening? Also, I like that their person is like many New Yorkers work out. <laughs> <laughs> and when they finish working out, they want a giant cup of rice pudding. That's what everyone craves. <laughs> yes. 
a cup of rice pudding the size of your head. Okay. So I'm going to read you some of these flavors because they're very cleverly named. However, they make absolutely no sense. Um, category five caramel. I don't know what that is. <laughs> Vegan almond shamal almond. Nope. <laughs> um, be my banana coconut. All right. I would eat that one. Old fashioned romance. <laughs> what flavor is that? Is it like old fashioned, like the drink flavored? <laughs> um, I don't know. Is it romance flavored? <laughs> it sounds a little bit too sexy for my taste. Although this would be perfect to splash in if you're interested in that kind of thing. Mm. Um, sex, drugs, and Rocky Road. Okay. Take fine. me to tiramisu. Sure. I mean, fine, but like, okay. Man-made mascarpone. What does that mean? I don't know. Coconut coma. <laughs> <laughs> Coast to coast cheesecake. That doesn't, what the hell? And my question is, and this is almost going to make me vom, are there just like <laughs> big chunks of cheesecake floating around in rice pudding with like graham cracker crust and everything? Like the I thought of seeing that is like so vomity. Yeah, I was, I was just assuming that it was like cheesecake flavored pudding with rice in it. But the truth is I have no idea. <laughs> I could be anything. Okay, the edge of rum raisin. Some of these are, like, very sexual. Sure. Like Oreogasm. That's fine. And chocolate chip flirt. <laughs> now, this one is my favorite. Ready? Yeah. Understanding vanilla. <laughs> what does that mean? This guy's, like, off, uh, unhinged. This could go one of two ways. The first way I interpreted it was, like, a kind understanding vanilla that will listen to you. Like I'm understanding, I'm an understanding vanilla. <laughs> That's what I thought. Then, but what I first came to mind was like understanding vanilla. Like how like, do you how do- understand what vanilla really means <laughs> in society? <laughs> like a, like a college course. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah. Understanding vanilla 101. <laughs> <laughs> then there's another one called perfectly legal pecan pie. I feel like I know about that one because I was like, why, when, when is pecan pie not legal? Well, I, have, I guess this guy would know because he probably has money in it or something. <laughs> when you stuff $25,000 in the bottom of the, the vat. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, gingerbread joyride. Okay. And last but not least, the curse of the orange cranberry, which sounds apt as that sounds so fucking gross. I can't even imagine. That does sound really gross. I would maybe fuck around with the gingerbread one though. Ugh, okay. Now these are the sizes. Okay. A diva size, which is, um, and you can only get these four flavors in diva size for some reason. Cheesecake, chocolate chip, cinnamon, and caramel. Is it the same size as a diva cup? Yes. It's served in a diva cup. You can use it to collect your period blood when you're done with it. Great. It's six, it's six ounces. Then we go to solo size for 1050 serves one. That seems like a lot of money. Well, sure. I don't know. New York is a wild place. Then there's Epic, which is eleven fifty, and it's fourteen ounces. Then there's the Omni size, okay, which looks the cup. They show what the cups look like. The cup looks like if fallopian tubes were made into like ice cream cups. <laughs> there's like a central compartment, and then there's like two side compartments, so you can get like what? three flavors. Oh, okay. Then there's a Sumo size, which is forty ounces. 40 ounces? <laughs> what the fuck? It's $30. And then there's a size that's described as Moby, which honestly looks like two sizes, two, like double the size of the Sumo, and it just says under it, unavailable. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it called Moby? I have no idea. Assuming like, it's named after. Pudding. Yeah, it's He would only be able to have the vegan one. Yeah, you can leave. <laughs> <laughs> unavailable huh all right um yeah uh, unavailable you can't get the fluent and french toast flavor in a moby size or any other flavor for that matter or the raspberry <laughs> statement raspberry <laughs> statement <laughs> can you imagine having to eat a moby size of raspberry <laughs> statement rice pudding it shouldn't no. be illegal <clears throat> what is happening it's just so fucked up anyway that's basically what i wanted to talk about about rice fritches. I bet you didn't think it was going to be this entertaining. A raspberry statement. Um, I just, 
yeah, I thought that he was just like the only guy coming up with these and everyone was like, okay, well, fine. We're not going to tell you these suck. <laughs> I, it's really disgusting. I used to like Cozy Shack rice pudding, which came in like pudding cups, like disposable, whatever, single yeah. serving pudding cups. I remember getting that as a kid. And this did make me want to make my own rice pudding. Um, and then I was like, maybe I'll make it for the pop-up. And then I was like, no one will order that. They will. I think you have like a, you are like a rice pudding hater. I think that it, people like it. It's interesting if because I like make it. it. People will come. <laughs> In it. If they're like anything <laughs> like this fucking pervert rice pudding enthusiast. <laughs> It kind of reminds me of cum, but chunkier. Very much chunkier, hopefully. If your cum is like that, you should visit the doctor right away. It's like an ad for like some new kind of medication. After taking Celestra, if your cum looks like rice pudding, contact your doctor. (laughs) Um, Anyway, should we talk about our three favorite soft foods? Sure. I like mashed potatoes. I like... Yeah. I like oatmeal is good. I'm into it. Your favorite? You like love it? Like you would want to marry it? Well, I don't know. I can't I'm like having a loss of soft foods. I like, guess all I, I like eat is soft foods. I like what else is there? I'm not telling you. You have to think of your own favorite soft <laughs> foods. Like I a, have mine like already test. in my head. <laughs> um mashed potatoes, mashed sweet potatoes. <laughs> You're a fucking freak, Daddy. And oatmeal. <laughs> okay, great. Um, well, I like hummus the best. Hummus is delicious. Um, do you consider like? I mean, I would think guacamole is a soft food. Is dip a soft food or is it? If dip- gum is a soft food, then dip is a soft food. Okay, well, I didn't know dips counted. Obviously, I love all dips on and the earth. Ice cream. Oh yeah, ice cream is good too. Milkshakes are those yeah. foods. Um, sure. Yeah, milkshake can be a soft food. Um, I also like mashed potatoes. Um, is tuna fish considered a soft food? I don't know if there's, like, a hard set definition, you know? Like, it's kind of a loosey-goosey sort of a thing. So, yeah, it's, you can say tuna is, is okay, a soft Okay, I love tuna fish also, which also is something that I feel like is kind of disgusting, but I love it. I love it, too. It's great. I eat tuna all the time. I probably have mercury poisoning right now. You probably do. That's actually real. <laughs> I know. That's real. We should talk about the dangers of mercury at some point. Mm-hmm. And the, also the carb, the mercury. Yes, let's do it. Next week, folks, on, you heard it here first. On the show next week, the mercury episode. <laughs> we'll talk about the mercury mountaineer. Wait, you just said that. I used to have one of those. You did? Yeah, and we could talk about mercury being in retrograde. And that, we can always talk about that. Nobody talks about that. Nobody ever has mentioned that. <laughs> it's late breaking. Okay, fine. Well, Armin, guess what? We didn't miss you at all. How about that? Yeah, we didn't even remember that you were supposed to be here today, buddy. It kind of Just actually... Kidding. Yeah, no, we missed you. It felt to me a little bit like that scene in Ghost when she's, like, doing the pottery, but, like, Patrick Swayze is, like, just right behind her, like, also doing the pottery and, like, grabbing her from behind and kissing her neck. Yeah, and then they also have sex on their pottery. Yeah, that's what I felt like today when I was recording (laughs) the episode, but with Armin (laughs) instead of Patrick Swayze. (laughs) Sorry, Armin's girlfriend. I I can't lie. Man, (laughs) you're sexually harassing him from beyond... Well, not beyond the grave, but... (laughs) He's the one who's from beyond the grave. Okay, folks, that's it for us. This episode is becoming unhinged. It started unhinged and it's ending unhinged. Exactly the same. Nicole, I love you. I love you, too. So fun to see you last week. And, uh, yeah, hasta la pasta. Bye. Life's a Banquet is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network. Food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.